in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. Sean is a financial advisor with Hackett Financial in Boca Raton, Florida. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. And based on the weather that you've had, you might need a pair of those dry shod boots down where you're at right now. You've got more water you know what to do with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we certainly could use a, a few a uh, few things that have to do with too much water. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, Noah, Noah built an ark yesterday. So we're good. <laughs> you're you're good then, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, man. So a lot of stuff happened this week. We've got that. Uh, you know, we're seeing the continued rise of the price of oil. We're seeing the continued rise of. Uh, of gasoline futures we're seeing the amount of stocks go down in gasoline and as well as ethanol and corn price is is that that kind of like we talked about last week it's still doing the same thing you know it's it gets scared it scares itself that it's going up so it's got to run backwards for the, about a couple cents then it runs up a couple cents and it kind of goes back and forth so we're at that kind of that that medium medium choppiness there that's gonna that's that we're kind of poised to do something here right so everyone's going to just see who's the first person that's going to be the brave enough to jump in there and go um as you take a look at um the stuff from uh, the government as far as the cares package goes and the uh, the ccc and what they had um kind of come out i am uh i don't know how much help that's going to be for folks to me I mean, it just seems like there's a um they, they kind of priced it around things that uh, have already happened and have taken away the ability for the producer to uh, either go back in 2019 and pull stuff out. And they, I mean, I guess they can as long as they don't have anything in the bin, right? And there's no real forward-looking support uh, in, in the, any of those packages. So I guess as you take a look at, let's just start with oil first, take a look at oil and see what we got going there. As you take a look at the uh, landscape of energy right now, what's your thoughts, and um, I guess what do you what do you think you see happening there? Well, the last two weeks, since we've talked about this concept that the oil is going to continue to work higher, that the demand for gasoline is going to start to continue to move higher, that the ethanol stocks would continue to move lower uh, at a time where ethanol production is very low. And uh, that the bears in the corn market, the bears in the ethanol industry, suggesting that there's no hope for the rest of the year. Um, you know, they're just we. I felt, and I think on your program, you felt that you know that, that that was not likely going to be the base case. That the base case was that we were going to see some very significant improvement in demand, um, and that the ethanol producers would start to chop through corn again at a much higher rate than everyone was expecting, which would then begin the process. Of chopping down these ending stocks that the balance sheets say are there, but they're never really there exactly. That's just what the balance sheet says, the spreadsheets are saying, and, and we're starting to see that happen. I mean, it's um, it's clear that we are we have barely, barely 
just started to reopen the U.S. economy, and already we're seeing parabolic increases in demand for gasoline. One could argue, and we would argue, that given the cooping up of America and, and the fact that probably everyone's going to st still be not comfortable getting on a plane, um, and probably um, they're going to want to get on the road. They're going to want to get in the car with the family. Uh, they want to want to go to a park, go to a beach, go somewhere in the car in a place they can control, see other family members, but just get out on the road. We think we could actually have a record driving season because of all this pent-up demand for gasoline. Maybe not for diesel, but for gasoline. Um, and, of course, the only thing that matters is ethanol is the gasoline demand. That's all we care about. So, so what happens if we actually have record demand for gasoline? Gasoline prices continue to head higher, um, and, and the ethanol price continues to head higher, and we start getting big margins, and we fire ethanol back up to normal. What happens to the bear case? I'm not sure, but I don't think 320 corn and sub $3 cash is where we're going to be. Remember, the whole breakdown in the corn market from 340 to 360, which is where we had been for years, was a fact that ethanol caved in, energy caved in, and ethanol was done for the rest of the year. If we take that out, everything else being equal, you know, we have a pretty substantial rally on our hands in the corn market. And we feel this corn market is so quiet, the volatility is so small, that uh, it, it's like two people with a gun at each other's head, and, 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 and someone's going to shoot first. And we think this, the price of corn is going to break out to the upside and force all those short speculators who thought their year, yearly rate of return was going to be made on shorting corn is now wrong. And so we're looking forward to seeing that happen here over the next 30, 45 days. It's, it's inconceivable to us that these trends are going to continue for much longer without the corn price responding to the upside. Yep. Okay. Yeah, ethanol plants are slowly coming back online um, across the country. Some of the biggest ones that have been shut down um, have fired back up. Um, not all the gigantic ones have come back online, but the, the small, the smaller ones seem to be the first to uh, to come back into the play, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean they, they can't they don't do the output that that these monsters do, so I kind of understand their their uh, rate of return and, and costs and stuff are a little bit lower than than the uh, the average the average giant is. So I'm with you, man. You sent me you texted me yesterday a uh, uh, a nice graphic that showed. The uh, the pair like you're talking about the parabolic rise of gasoline, what that looks like, and and um, it is all but straight up a straight line. You know what I mean? It's it's very much right there, and, and every week has gotten exponentially bigger than the week before. You know, so it's it's uh, it, you're seeing that climb. This Memorial Day weekend coming up too, right? So, and we're talking about people that have been in their house for two weeks, first week into summer, or two weeks, two months, and they're talking about the first week in the summer here. Um, I, f I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that don't go someplace crazy, but they're going to go, you know, if you're close to the mountains or if you're close to the beach or if you're just close to something, you know what I mean? <laughs> close to something, you're going you're to go. And it's just because it's going to be a nice weekend. It's going to be, the weather's nice. I mean, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to get out and go. And, and I think there's, for the most part, unless you live in like Illinois or something, for the most part, it's a... Uh, Things have opened back up. Texas is opening back up. Um, Nebraska is, is opening back up, slow but sure. Um, you know, I think most states are have a have a. a Florida is, yeah. is kind of 
open, you know. I mean, we're 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 open down here now, and, and traffic is crazy again, you know. So I, you know, corn cash base is starting to rise, Casey. That's another metric to watch. You know, because remember, like the basis cash basis for corn crashed when ethanol crashed, and now it's starting to rise again. So, you know, like let's be clear, this doesn't mean six dollar corn, but but a, a a normalization to something more reasonable, I think, is in order, and and that means going from where we are now, you know, back in that mid upper three dollar level at least, seems to me where we're heading, and that it, from from where we are, I mean, that's still going to be we're talking about something like a twenty to thirty percent move. Which is a lot right now, and would that will do more for farmers than any CCC, PPP, TTT, AAA program that's out there? Right, so. absolutely, <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. That is that's a true statement. Yeah. So, so on that topic, let's let's jump over and talk about that in a minute. So, the on um, uh, was that Tuesday that they rolled that yeah. out? So Tuesday they came out with the with the uh, the stimulus package for agriculture and what that looks like, and. I don't know if the people that, that put this stuff together don't understand how farming operates and, and when and, and what that looks like and, and, and what or they even pay attention to what's going on around them or if they're just kind of rubber stamping some stuff to make it look like they're trying to do something. But they didn't really give them a lot of help. I mean, um, if if the uh, coronavirus happened in, in June of last year, it would have been great. Right, it's been a great thing for them, but um, kind of paraphrasing here a little bit. Basically, the crop bushels that you have, um, if you have anything in storage at all, that trumps what you did in 2019. So, if you have one bushel in storage, um, that's what they're going to be. Your baseline is going to be based off of, not what you did in 2019. Um, so, anyone that has a large amount of grain in their bin right now, um, you're, you're the luckiest person on the planet because. You had an opportunity to sell that corn for about 450 um, in in December. If you look at December contracts that were happening in June and July last year, which I've got to believe that there's a fair amount of people that took advantage of that. Um, I, I sure hope so. We, uh, we were certainly pounding the table to sell. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm 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 pretty certain that there's not a lot of guys that have a ton of grain in the bin. And I'm just judging that by I don't have a pile of corn anywhere where I'm at. You know what I mean? Um, any any of my any eastern Colorado, western Nebraska, um, even as I go into eastern Nebraska, I don't see the piles of corn that I saw three years ago. Right? So that tells me that there's not a lot of corn laying around. Most of it got sold off and what have you. So um, the cattle side of it, the the uh, the pressure that they're going to be relieved is basically what they sold from January to March. But the bad thing about this, there's nothing moving forward. All right. There's no, you know, what, what is, what do forward contracts look like in uh, June, July, August going into the fall? You know, what does that look like? So I mean, who knows they could come out with a stimulus package part two, like they've done. I think we're on um, PPP level seven now. I don't think we've, we've, we've gone through that about 10 different times. So I guess as you take a look, at that kind of package that came out, I guess. What are your thoughts? And I mean, how are you helping your your customers with that plan that they're working with, and what they're and and understanding what to do with what they've got going on? Well, I mean, I think first of all, from, from a government perspective, I think they their feeling is they already handed out a lot of money last year as a result of trade war uh, problems, and I think that they're 
Yeah, and, and so I, I think that they're you know they're not. I think they're more they're they're, they're not wanting to hand out any more money than they have to because they feel they've already given a lot of assistance to agriculture. Um, and I also believe the government is in, a, is in a period where they're trying to do just enough for the U.S. economy to reopen and hoping that that takes care of a lot of the problems later on in the year than trying to uh, commit to long-term capital that may or may not be needed. So as you just said, if, if for some reason uh, three months from now we're still not in a good situation, they'll just come up with PPP uh, 8 and, and have another stopgap measure just to cover that issue. I, I think they're in the mode of let's just solve the problem for now and let's buy time. Buy time for a vaccine. Buy time for the economy to open up. You know, just buy time so that things can get better. Um, but better or for worse, I think that's the mode that they are in. In terms of the producer, you know, you know, obviously they should do whatever they can legally, of course, you know, to bring as much money in as they can because it's their business, it's their livelihood, and and quite frankly, we need them to be producing food because if we're correct about what the weather looks like in 21, 22, La Nina, Grand Soil Cycle Minimum, you know, we're going to need every single producer um, to produce food to get us through that uh, that production shortfall that's coming on top of all the dysfunction going on with the virus. So, you know, we're you can't you, you can't you can't you can't get blood from a stone, but you get as much as you can. So, for example, you know, I'm president of my church, and you know, the churches were allowed to participate in part of this PPP program, and you know, we were just you know, we closed down and we've been impaired, and so. You know, we're doing everything we can so that we can get to the other side. And like everybody else, um, it's not enough. It's not perfect. We wish it was more, but we're grateful for whatever assistance we get. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess as you take a look at the uh, the landscape across other other items too. So if you take a look at like sugar, for example, sugar had 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 a chance to really take off and run. It uh, fell just like everybody else did. But it is uh, as things start to open back up, and you start to see more and more of these, you know, restaurants and stuff like that start to open up, and they start to have the demand for sugar. We're starting to see a, a climb there in sugar. So, talk about sugar a little bit, and what you see happening there. Well, there's two issues. The U.S. industry is all about sugar demand for U.S. consumer consumption. The global price, which is the futures market, is more based upon is about. Does Brazil make ethanol or does Brazil make fine sugar? So we went from went from the Brazilians diverting record amounts of sugar cane to make an ethanol to producing the least amount, the smallest amount of ethanol they've produced in years overnight. Um, so with energy going up, we talked about this with the corn market, uh, with ethanol prices going up, clearly, uh, you know, the if, if the Brazilians start to shift back to making more ethanol uh, versus refined sugar, then the sugar price will start to uh, rebound. It is rebounding, by the way. We actually got slightly below 10 cents, not just a few weeks back. You know, now we're pushing over 11 cents. It's not the it's not 15 cents where we were, but we're already starting to work our way back up based on this idea that ethanol in Brazil is coming back. On the other point, and it's something we talked about in our report this week. Uh, we've been monitoring the desert locust infestation in northwest India to see if they, that infestation would come in 
in the month of May. It has come in in the month of May. Uh, the work that we did said that if the desert locust lodges, lodges itself into the northwest part of India by May, they, and the spread will continue into the uh, northern half of the key ag belt over the summer months. And so we're deeply concerned. Of course, that's where the primary where the sugar is grown in India. And India is, is, is a huge, huge uh, exporter of sugar. It has a huge impact on how sugar is priced. So if we see the, the desert locust continue to become a problem and we have another really, really short crop like we did last year, you know, the sugar market could be on the mend for a whole, whole different reason than just the energy reason. So, you know, we kind of like the sugar market here. We think there's a lot of um, reasons for it to go higher. And we, uh, you know, we think most of the uh, the bear cases are even priced in. So. Okay, so on, on Brazil, I was going to hit on that, you know, the amount of, of, of ethanol that Brazil quit producing because of obviously the price of energy. You know, start looking at oil and everything like that. So now they're going to start aging back into there and there's going to be some opportunity there. The other thing in Brazil, and we talked about this last time, is that they're in the uh, kind of the, the peak cycle for um, coronavirus cases to start popping up. And they still haven't done anything to, like the rest of the world has, as far as stopping the spread or, you know, shutting things down or limiting um, distance between people or whatever it is they come up with. They've done nothing. So uh, I've, been, I've been reading those articles throughout the day when I, have, <clears throat> when I got a minute about what's happened in Brazil. I still think there's going to be a big issue there, you know, if if people start getting sick and they can't export or they can't produce the crop or they can't, you know, the logistics of moving the crop around, they're going to be there. I still feel like they, they are setting themselves up for a disaster. What are your thoughts on that? And have you seen anything different than what I just laid out in, in Brazil as far as the coronavirus goes? No, it's another one of our bullish rogue waves. We talk about various rogue waves that could take place this summer. This is one of them. The desert locust is another one. The fall army worm in China is another one. But clearly, it's hard for us to imagine that a country, by the way, that likes to strike anyway. You know, they, 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 they love to strike. They like to cause, you know, that, that, that in this case, they already, from what we understand, and from my context, they already, their hospital system's already overrun. They're already... From what I read, you know, preparing mass burials, I mean, it's really, really, bad. And, 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 and we're not even nowhere near the peak of the situation down there. We're, they're, they're moving into these ideal weather conditions for community spread of the virus. So it's really hard for us to imagine that they're going to be able to operate business as usual logistically with getting product from the farm to the port to the, to the destination without disruption. We just think it's highly unlikely that we're not going to have some issues with that. And that means things like coffee, things like sugar, things like corn, things like soybeans, you know, that they export a tremendous amount of are going to, you know, be concerned. And, and when buyers are concerned that maybe the, you know, one of the largest exporters of agriculture in the world may not be readily available, there's only one other country I'm aware of that could potentially, at least for a little while, Provide them some supplies, and that's the good old U.S. and they. So that is a is a is a a potential for some much much better pricing and for some job opportunities for for our producers to get a a price that makes all their hardship you know pay off here. And so I agree with you, Casey. I think it's a ticking time bomb, and the markets are completely 
complacent about this. And I think we could just wake up one day and all of a sudden see corn up 10, 15 cents out of nowhere because everyone realizes this is a problem now. You know, it, it could happen just like that. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about on your on the export front here. Let's talk about China for a minute. So um, there is a uh, China keeps banging, or, or sorry, Donald Trump keeps banging on China about about the coronavirus thing, and and <clears throat> you know we we should refigure the the phase one portion of this because of that. And if you don't start picking up your your uh, your end of the bargain, we're going to go back to tariffs, and which would just be nothing but good stuff for the world if that happened. Um, I guess, I guess, as you take a look at what's going on, I mean, there is a there is a report out this morning that shows uh, the, a, a shipment of U.S. ethanol, refined ethanol, has made its way to China, uh, and um, they're buying some some ethanol from us. So that's that's a good sign. Um, it is Thursday. We do have the export report coming out today, and I guess what what are your thoughts there? I mean, the phase one thing to me, after I kind of get a chance to really dig into it and kind of look and see what's going on, not that I'm an expert by any means and and all that, but there's not there were never really a lot of teeth in there to really say if you don't do this, this will happen. And um, there's a lot of ways that they kind of you know, if there's a reason for us not to be able to buy it or if we can get it cheaper someplace else or something like that. There's a million reasons why they shouldn't have to buy it from us. So, um, but that being said, um, we, we kind of are the uh, really the only game left in town. I mean, China or Brazil has kind of sold itself out of a lot of stuff. So I guess as you take a look and see what's happened with China and exports and stuff like that, this could be a, uh, you know, like a quote-unquote safe face for uh for China on this deal just because it's their only choice. Well, right now, with all the dysfunction, and by the way, it's not just uh, Brazil. I mean, India is locked down and they're having all kinds of problems with getting product out. So I think the Chinese are sitting here going, we don't know who we can rely on for supplies. All we know is that we have a trade deal with the United States. They have lots of products. They're willing to sell. They can sell. And so I think they're going to buy a lot of product. It'll make Trump Feel better, um, and 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 it will kick the can down to the election, and and then they'll take their they'll take their cue from what how things happen. But I think they'll buy enough product, Casey. Not only because they just want to get want an altercation with Trump ahead of the election, because I think they they think there's a good chance he may not get back in. Uh, but I also I think that they are hedging their bets. What if Brazil shut down for a month or two and they can't get corn or soybeans from them? I don't think they want to alienate the only country that can supply these products to them at a time that there's a lot of panic going on in China for uh, supplies. So I think that there's a lot of talk. You know, I always say, don't do what people say, do what they're actually doing. The Chinese are actually buying and increasing their purchases despite the back and forth talk, which I think is more about election year politics than it is anything else. So I'm actually optimistic we're going to get better and better numbers. And it'd be another reason why we could get some higher priced grain markets this summer that they actually start, you know, picking up the pace and maybe they ultimately won't get to the end game at the, at the end of the phase one, uh, time frame. But I think they'll do enough over the summer months that it'll keep everything at bay for now. Kind of looking at the, at the export reports today, again, they aren't very optimistic. Um, they're basically at thinking about, corn to be half of what it was last year 
well, not even half of what it was last year. Um, soybeans, uh, kind of the same story. Uh, wheat, actually wheat, they're expecting to be higher this week than it was last. So I guess as you take a look at the export report expectations and and kind of what you've seen here, um, what are your thoughts on that? And I guess what do you – they seem awful bearish still, I guess. Yeah, I continue to believe that the the – the, view, the bears are overly bear, too bearish on exports, too bearish on ethanol. Um, and I think the summer months, they're going to be much, much better. And I think they're too optimistic on production. I don't believe that. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, at least for the corn market, the historical trend is always bet that the farmer will, will plant more corn acres when in doubt. And that's been a pretty good rule to follow for a long, long time. But if there was ever a year where that rule could actually be wrong, I think this could be the year that we actually plant less acres, corn acres, than the market thinks. Um, just because it's a it's a money issue, you know, it's a it's a money issue. It's a it's 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 not a cheap crop to put in the ground. The banks roll over the farmers a lot about it. I just I just don't, and I don't see the the application of inputs. And fertilizers in the way that one would normally do. I think it's a money issue, and I don't think the corn crop is going to come through with the kind of blistering yields that we've been accustomed to. Even if weather turns out to be sort of okay, I still I still think the market's overestimating our productive capabilities within the realm of basically the U.S. farmer being kind of in the worst financial condition they've been in really since the 1980s, from what I can see from the stress test that I see. So. Uh, I'd agree with that. Well, good stuff, man. There's plenty of stuff going on. We could we could opine here for the next uh, 24 hours and not not repeat ourselves. So there's, I guess, as you take a look across the overall landscape, um, I guess what's your uh, what's your words of wisdom? I guess for the for the rest of this week. Keep the faith. Times are get will get better. Um, markets asleep. The Bears are, have too much conviction, and I believe there will be an opportunity uh, to sell a better price. I'm really comfortable and confident that we're going to get some better. There's, there's numerous fuller surprises that, that could come to, to pass here, and, and I, I, it's, it's hard for me to see pricing in a more bearish scenario than a pandemic, which we already have, in my opinion. So, so at this point, the risk-reward for downside versus upside looks to me to be swayed or skewed to the upside. And so as depressed as I'm hearing my customers be and as I'm hearing the media to be, I think there's lots of reason to be optimistic um, as we move into the summer months. And so keep the faith. That's the, that's the word for the Memorial Day weekend. Keep the faith. And keeping the faith, um, the cattle market guys have, have done that. We've, we've seen a... Uh a jump up in the uh, the overall slaughter rate. Um, looks like uh, pretty much they're still they're still a ways off from where they where they've been at last year as far as that go. But we're starting to see prices tick up too. So um, until that gets full swing again, that's going to be a, a problem. But uh, we're getting there slow but sure. So like Sean said, I'll just repeat it, man. Keep the faith, folks. We are. We are strong, resilient people, and we're going to make our way out of this. We're going to be, we're going to be good to go. So, um, God bless the United States, and uh, let's uh, 
let's keep plugging forward, Sean. So, Sean, if folks want to reach out and talk to you and get some uh, get some direction on what they got going on, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. There's all kinds of things for them to listen, to watch, to read, to see if what we do might be of value to them. If you get a chance to check that website out, do it. Go check out the website. Look at those reports. Tons of information out there. Tons of information that, that'll, that's very detailed and very uh, well organized. So you'll, it's well worth your time to check it out. Well, Sean, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Great to be here, Casey. Have a wonderful uh, long weekend. And get on the road. <laughs> yeah, get out and drive, folks. <laughs> All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest podcast drops as well as blog drops. I've got a blog coming up here. Uh, I'm going to post it today, and it'll be out uh, for the world to read. Um, also, check out movingironllc.com for all the latest things Moving Iron. Also, check out the uh, Moving Iron Summit that's out there as well, and uh, that's coming up here uh, September 1 through 3 in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So if you got some information on that, check out the website or send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Also, um, make sure you uh, check out the Global Ag Network and the folks out there and the great podcasters and what they've got going on on their sites as well as their as their podcasts as well. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us 